What's happening, everybody? As we continue to preview all of the SEC spring games happening this weekend, our next stop in Gainesville, Florida, as they are playing tonight, getting ready for a Thursday night primetime game between the Florida Gators versus the Florida Gators. What will the quarterbacks look like? What are realistic expectations for the Gators? Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. And shout out to our everydayers who are checking us out on the podcast and on YouTube. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. Let's welcome in our special guest, our buddy Brandon Olson, host of Locked on Gators. And Brandon, welcome in, man. Crazy to think how quickly this spring has flown by, and we're already here for the spring game weekend. Yeah, it's insane. I feel like it was just yesterday. They were like, first practice of the spring, and and it's here already. It's wrapping up. It's ridiculous. So we kind of been doing this thing, hitting hitting on all the big topics with everybody and what the biggest topic is with Florida. And, man, it's so hard for me. As much as I'm concerned about their defense and can they turn it around, with all the talk of Anthony Richardson and leading up to the draft and all this, how can you not start with quarterback? And obviously Graham Mertz coming in from Wisconsin. There are expectations for him. We got to see Jack Miller in the bowl game. Wasn't great. Where are we with the quarterbacks? What have you seen throughout the spring? And what are expectations for the spring game from the quarterbacks? Yeah, I, I don't think that Florida's had a spring game that's going to hold this much weight as as this spring game will in years because – yeah, you've got Graham Mertz coming from Wisconsin and, of course, three-year starter in the Big Ten. He, he's won quite a few games as the starting quarterback, but he was never really spectacular. And there were high expectations on him going into Wisconsin. He was the highest-rated quarterback that's ever committed to Wisconsin. So he had those high, that high ceiling. And then you have Jack Miller on the other side, and Jack Miller had – probably one of the worst bowl game starts that we've ever seen, but there's so much that goes into that bowl game because Jack Miller injured his thumb before the start of the season and couldn't practice for pretty much the entire year. And then Florida the whole year said, Hey, we want to get a bowl game because we want those 12 extra practices that you get. And then Florida got one of the earliest bowl games and couldn't get those 12 practices. And Anthony Richardson announced his decision to not play in the bowl game 12 days before the bowl game. So, so much just went into it of the the cards were stacked against Jack Miller, the third. And it's not to say that, you know, completely scrap it, but you have to take everything with a grain of salt from that bowl game. And it's hard for me to watch that game, which I've watched it four times by now. And I know my listeners are like, why would you do that to yourself? Um, I've watched it four times by now. And a big reason is because of Jack Miller, the third. And my conclusion is most of it don't care about it. You know, he wasn't even helped by Billy Napier and and the coaching staff. It was such a a high school offense. And it, it was just a terrible performance where, now we're kind of going into the spring game on who's it going to, which big 10 quarterback is going to be the starter for the Florida Gators this year. And it's something where I don't care who it is. I just want it to be the guy that gives Florida the best chance to win games. 
Yeah, everybody's already kind of penciling in Graham Mertz into that uh, into that slot. And look, he was very productive last year with Wisconsin, and and obviously got better as the years went along. And he's got a lot of football under his belt. But when you go back and look at the games last year, you know, he's only got a handful of games where he threw for over 200 yards. Really, <laughs> there was a lot of games where it was like 176 against Iowa, or you know, 131 against Michigan State. So obviously, the better defenses got after it, but uh, what should realistic expectations be here if it is Graham Mertz indeed QB1? If the if it's Graham Mertz, I think that your expectation should be better than he was at Wisconsin. That That's kind of what I would expect because for all of the complaints that Florida Gators fans have had in 2022 about their offensive play calling, guess what? Wisconsin's was worse. Wisconsin was stuck in 1907 before the forward pass was legal in football. Like It, it was just bad football you watch coming out in in the i form and running the ball 60 percent of the time is fine what's not fine in 2022 last year or 2023 now is running the football 60 percent of the time and then going play action 18 percent of the time when you do throw the ball you can't have play action eight percent of your plays no matter how often you run the football that's just statistics show analytics proof when you go play action your team finds more success, whether or not you're running the ball. So for Graham Mertz, lining up under center without great weapons on the outside, which he's not going to have the best weapons on the outside in Gainesville, but he's going to have better weapons. But you were also just in an offense that is so bad and so old and outdated. You have to be better. That should be the expectation. I think Florida's offense this year, if Graham Mertz is a starting quarterback, I think you see similar production-wise, just total total yards, offensive yards and points. But I think you see much more of that come from the passing game instead of the running game, because obviously you don't have Anthony Richardson's legs anymore, but you have a quarterback that is going to be more consistent in the short to intermediate range. Yeah. I had a, a Wisconsin friend. I said, uh, give me something good that you like about uh, Graham Mertz. And he said, well, he was a two-time academic, all big 10. I said, well, you know, if anything, he'll help He'll help uh, Florida's uh, graduation rate and help the GPA, you know, something like that. But, no, it's uh, it's interesting because when we look back at the numbers, Brandon, like, and we've been doing this kind of doing draft talk and seeing Anthony Richardson flying up draft boards. And I went back and looked. I'm like, Anthony Richardson had a good year, but I didn't feel like it was great. And go back and look at the numbers – he was better than I remembered. Like, it, it was just Florida's defense was so bad last year that, man, if they had just had an average Florida defense like they typically have, Florida would have had a much better record last year. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. Uh, the past two years in Gainesville have been two of the worst Florida Gators defenses that I've seen in my 27 years of life now. It, it's been it's been rough to see. Um, and I don't necessarily blame Patrick Tony, who was the co-defensive coordinator and the play caller last year. I know that a lot of people do, but I genuinely just think that the more the blame should go to Todd Grantham and Dan Mullen for not recruiting quality players. I mean, look, I, I've been uh, I've been pro Trey Dean and Rashad Torrance a second, and I still am. I still acknowledge that I think they're going to be better pro players than they were college. But it's really bad when your two starting safeties go to the NFL Combine and they run a four seven four and a four seven five. That's that those aren't SEC starting athletes. That's just not what that is. Um, so I, I, I think that most of my blame goes to the previous coaching staffs and the talent. And it's very telling that for the Florida Gators in 2022, some of the best players just on offense and defense were players that Billy Napier brought in. You look at 
offensive line, Osiris Torrance coming from the Sun Belt. Make all the Sun Belt Billy jokes that you want, but Osiris Torrance was one of the three players that Billy brought with him from Louisiana. Another one, Montreal Johnson. So your leading rusher, an All-American offensive guard, and Cameron Waits, who was always going to be a project, a very young player at tackle, project player. You can talk about Sun Belt Billy all you want, but the best players on this team were players that Billy brought in from the Sun Belt and one from the Pac-12 in uh, Ricky Pearsall from Arizona State. So if there was bad talent on the team, recruiting is finally picking up, and it's crazy what happens when you put effort into recruiting at the University of Florida. Let's, uh, as we cap off the discussion of the offense, um, you mentioned it. I mean, Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne, those are two of the better ba- – I mean, you can't get much better than that returning, uh, you know, guys in the backfield. So – we like Florida's run game. Obviously, with Graham Mertz in, I would think you want to be more 50-50, you know, run the ball as much as you, you throw the ball. Uh, but talk a little bit about some of the pass catchers because that's people I, I've heard in the gripes about Anthony Richardson was, you know, who did he really have? It was like Ricky Parasol and kind of Justin Shur- Shorter maybe. So what will the pass catchers look better this year in your mind? I don't know if they look better, but – I know they're going to look faster. I, I know that. that That's one of the big things where Florida had a bunch of bigger guys that are six foot three and not super fast and not super agile. But now you've got Ricky Pearsall, who's very good. He was considering going to the NFL draft. I'm very glad that he did decide to come back to Gainesville because when you cut the tape, the dude's one of the slickest route runners in the country. Xavier Henderson is going to get to play his more natural X receiver role that Justin Shorter played last year. So he gets to be more vertical, whereas... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think 43% of Xavier Henderson's catches came behind the line of scrimmage last year because that's just how they wanted to use him. But now you've got Aiden Mizell, who's one of your fastest players on the team. And he's skinny, he's small, but don't matter if you don't hit him. Uh, and then looking at tight end, Dante Zanders. Last year, or last year at this time, he was an edge rusher. And then he was your starting tight end at the start of this at the start of last season. Now he's down another 21 pounds. So he's down 40 pounds over the past two years. He's going to be more agile. You've got Arliss Boardingham in his second year, who's a wide receiver, tight end hybrid, not Kyle Pitts style. Think more Travis Kelsey style. And then you've got Hayden Hansen, who six foot six quadzilla, just get him in the red zone and get him the football and let's see what happens. Yeah, and of course, the unfortunate accident this spring, Keon Zipperer getting hurt, and uh, sounds like he's going to miss the entire year. So, unfortunate there for him. I will switch over to the other side, get Brandon's thoughts on the defensive players here in just a second as we continue to talk uh, Florida Gators. But first, want to remind you guys, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Look, if you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, you need to get the best, best tasting protein bar ever, and that is Built. If you're like me and you want a healthier snack, uh, but you don't want to compromise taste, then you need to go check out Built Bars. They're healthy, they taste amazing. They got the Built Bars and they got the Built Puffs. Taste so amazing, you won't even know they're good for you. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. Come in amazing flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, and the macros don't get any better than this. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein packed in there. It is gain season, folks. We're getting ready for uh, the summer coming up. You want to be packing on that protein, and you can do it with our friends over at Built Bar. Now they're at Sam's Club and your local Walmart. Go check them out at Built.com. You'll get a good uh, look at all the specialty flavors that they got. And then head to your nearest Walmart and walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. Built.com. Start making better choices today. 
All right, continue on previewing the uh, Florida spring game coming up with the Florida Gators. Our buddy Brandon Olson, host of Locked On Gators. And, Brandon, we spent a good bit talking about the offense. We talked about some of the defensive problems in the past. What's the early read on this defense and how different it's going to look with Austin Armstrong coming in, able to steal him away from Alabama just a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, it's going to be a lot more aggressive than we saw the Florida Gators be in 2022. Austin Armstrong last year with Southern Miss had the eighth highest blitz rate in the country. He blitzed 40% of the time. He's going to send his linebackers early often, and he's just going to try to create havoc up front. And that's something that after last season, I said, I wish that we had Patrick Tony, but a little bit more aggressive. That's kind of what you're getting from Austin Armstrong. He's very similar to Patrick Tony schematically. He just blitzes a lot more, which is obviously exactly what I would hope for, but that's what you're getting. And that's what you should look for. Modern football is about getting to the quarterback. The quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes. And if Austin Armstrong can bring that to you, then you take that 10 times out of 10. What can we expect out of my favorite player, Desmond Watson? Will we see him uh, more in packages? I mean, and he's still, what, around 450? That is amazingly what he was listed at at the start of spring ball. And they said that it was not an error, even though (laughs) – in January, we heard, hey, he's below 400 now. So I don't know what's going on with his actual weight, but uh, I think we see him a little bit less this year, and it's nothing against him. It's just that Florida brought in Cameron Jackson from Memphis, and when you can bring in an all-conference player that's going to step up and he plays that nose tackle, zero tech, one tech, whatever you want to call it, you got to put that guy on the field. So Desmond Watson's still going to play a significant amount of snaps, but probably going to play a little bit less. The expectation is that Cameron Jackson will be the starting nose tackle. So Desmond Watson, more rest, more rush. Well, uh, look at the depth chart for Florida, particularly on the defense. I see, you know, there's a lot of transfers coming in. There's a lot of freshmen that are expected to contribute. But I look at that secondary, and I see a lot of juniors and a lot of sophomores and guys who had a little bit of playing time. And when you talk about guys like Jaden Hill and Kamari Wilson and Jason Marshall, like – Can this secondary be a strength this year, do you think? It's definitely going to be interesting. (laughs) We can say that much because you've got Jason Marshall coming back. And, of course, he's got the potential to be great. Um, I know that I've said it frequently and I stand by it. And I've said Jason Marshall can be great, but he's never going to be as good as Florida Gators fans want him to be. And that's not his fault. That that goes to a lot of Florida Gators fans just, uh, just putting unrealistic expectations on him. But You've got Kamari Wilson and Miguel Mitchell as your most likely starters at safety, and they've never played significant snaps. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play out opposite Jason Marshall. Will it be Devin Moore? Will it be Jakeem Jackson? Because Jaden Hill likely going to be playing star this year for Florida. So uh, I'm curious to see that one. Also, I've questioned his change of direction for a while, and I don't know if anybody watching or listening has ever tried to play slot corner it's incredibly difficult i played corner i played safety i went into the slot and i thought my acls were just coming off right there so it's incredibly difficult so we'll see how Jaden hill does it's just there's a lot of question marks and that's been my biggest thing with florida this year is i want to project Jaden hill is going to be better in the at the slot than he was outside i want to project you know kamari wilson can play deep safety i want to project all this but there's just so many questions and so many unknowns that that's what scares me, honestly. 
Who's a guy you think in the spring game, and of course, if you're listening to this on Thursday, Thursday night, the spring game, um, who's a guy that could really maybe make a name for himself and maybe start pe- start making people go, that's a guy to keep an eye on there in the fall, uh, particularly on the defense? Yeah, I think that you're going to see that happen with Justice Boone. Um, last year, we had Prince Leoman Mielin started at the defensive end spot. Now he's moving to Jack, so he's going to be more of that stand-up pass rusher. Justice Boone is projected to take Prince Leoman Mielin's spot. And if Justice Boone gets to go against a Florida Gators offensive line, that's just it, – it's a bunch of trying to piece together who your best players are. I think Justice Boone gets to take advantage of a few inexperienced players, and he presents a power that you generally don't see – at the defensive end spot. So I think Justice Boone is going to be someone that can be a one-man wrecking crew on his own in this uh, in this spring game. And he's even one of the guys that I said, hey, he could be your spring game defensive player here. He, he could be your, your spotlight. Continue our conversation with Brandon Olson, host of Locked on Gators. And Brandon, as we head into our final segment, I uh, wanted to do this. We've done this with everybody we've had on this week. And that's kind of an early look ahead at the 2023 Florida Gators schedule. And so as we look at it, obviously that first game, it's already been moved to a Thursday. We know it's going to be, you know, most likely primetime nationally televised game. It's Florida with the return visit to Utah in that week one game. And uh, obviously it was one of the marquee games to start off last season. Cam rising is back, although he's coming back uh, from injury. So we'll see, you know, is he a hundred percent by the time we get to August 31st, but uh, thoughts on that game going on the road up into the mountains of Utah. I'm expecting just a, a hideous football game with, with cam rising. He's either going to be playing while still nursing that injury or that, or rehabbing or he's not going to play a torn ACL in December, early January, and trying to come back from that to be ready for August. Very difficult. So even if he is playing, he's not going to be the cam rising that we saw last year. That's going to be able to gash you on the ground. So I think that's going to be a messy football game. And as always, the same conversation that happened last year with Utah coming to Gainesville. Can they deal with the humidity? Now it's, can Florida deal with the change of altitude? And I think that they kind of cancel themselves out. You know, when you're coming, when you're used to that altitude and you come down, great. Your, your stamina is going to feel improved, but you're going into humidity. So they cancel themselves out. I think the same thing with Florida going to Utah. That'd be my expectation. Uh, I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's definitely a winnable football game for Florida. And it's, maybe it's going to look like a better win same way it did last year. It was like, oh, Florida beat Pac-12 champions, Utah. Um, But they got off to a slow start, and we'll see what happens this year. But it's going to be an ugly game that I can't wait to watch. Oh, for argument's sake, are we putting a W there? Uh, I would, yeah. Again, I I don't want to be, you know, cocky about it, but I just think with Cam Rising not being as mobile or, again, my expectation of Cam Rising not being able to use his legs against you like he did last year, I think it's going to be very hard for you to win that game. Yeah, second week of April, we're going to hold you to all these predictions, of course, come <laughs> September. Um, uh, next week, you play McNeese. It'll be the home opener. That'll be exciting, and Florida should win going away. The next week, it's Tennessee, and this is one that the Florida Gators have largely owned in, uh, in Gainesville, but Tennessee is much improved. How scared are we of this game? Not really, if we're being honest. And and that's just me saying that I'm not bought in on really Joe Milton. That, that's kind of what it is. If he's a starting QB, 
I, I'm not scared of him. I've seen him come into the game against Florida twice, and both times he's been wildly underwhelming for as good as he is physically. Uh, so I'm, I'm not necessarily worried about Tennessee that much. Also losing Hendon Hooker, who say what you want about him, he knew how to operate that offense. I don't care what you think about his pro prospects. He knew how to operate that offense. He's losing Cedric Tillman. He's losing Jalen Hyatt. He's losing Darnell Wright. You lost a lot if you're Tennessee's high-power offense and a defense that didn't scare me to begin with. I mean, Anthony Richardson, for as inconsistent as he was, put up over 400 against them. He put his career high up against them, not Eastern Washington or not a smaller team. So uh, I'm not super concerned with Tennessee, especially when they're coming to Gainesville. Because last year, bad Florida team almost took it away from you at Rocky Top. I don't think that Tennessee wins this game. Certainly time for Josh Heupel to earn his uh, paycheck and show what he can do after losing all those pieces. You Next week, you get Charlotte. I think you guys should be the good there. So 4-0 so far through your uh, prediction here, Brandon Olson. They go on the road at Kentucky. Typically just a tough place to play. And Kentucky has played Florida much tougher here the last five seasons. So um, Devin Leary, what are they getting? Is Devin Leary the best transfer portal quarterback like a lot of services have said? We're going to find out. But I've had one person say already they think as good as Will Levis was, they think Leary might be even better just production-wise. So that that one's a tough one September 30th in the Gators going to Lexington. Yeah, I, I think that Florida probably drops that one. Um, I, I think Devin Leary's better than Will Levis. I was never sold on him. Like I, I said earlier, Florida, the past two years, have had two of the worst defenses that I've ever seen in Gainesville, and Will Levis stunk it up against both of them. It was just Florida's offense wasn't there, and I think Kentucky does not get enough credit for being a great home field advantage. Their crowd goes crazy, especially when they play Florida. That's That's the Super Bowl over there. And yeah, I, I think that Florida probably drops that one on the road. I think that's just a tough game to win. Kentucky, they're going to drag you down. They're, they're the Detroit Lions of the SEC. They're going to bite your kneecaps. They're going to take you down. They're going to punch you in the mouth and they're going to try to win that way. And it's been working. So four and one the week after they get a home game against Vandy. Ooh, big revenge game here after the uh, Commodores got the Gators a year ago. Um, look, Clark Lee's done a great job. They're much improved, but you owe them one for last year. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that Florida wins that one. Um, I don't know what in the world happened when Florida went to Vanderbilt last year, but uh, can't happen again. Like, this is genuinely one of those times where if Billy drops it to Vanderbilt, I'm not saying put him on the hot seat, but I think you start to question, can you get this team to show up week in and week out? Because they didn't last year, and you got to say, well, some guys aren't bought into what we're asking them to do. You need them to show up this time, especially against a program like Vanderbilt, which, no disrespect to Vandy, Florida should win that game. The next week, you go to South Carolina. And this is an interesting one because Florida beat the snot out of the Gamecocks a year ago so badly that it forced them to reevaluate everything, look at themselves. And Spencer Rattler came out and played his best football uh, at South Carolina down the stretch of last year. They they get blown out of Florida and then respond by beating Tennessee and Clemson the next two weeks. So uh, the big question is, are we going to get that Spencer Rattler this whole season? And if we do, that's a tough spot there for Florida. Yeah, that was my same issue with Spencer Rattler last year. At Oklahoma, he was wildly inconsistent. And so my thing is, if you get the Spencer Rattler that showed up to play Florida last year, you're going to get blown out again. If you get the Spencer Rattler that showed up against Tennessee, you're probably winning that game. 
I, I think South Carolina, pretty underrated team. I know that part of that is because Beamer Ball is all about special teams, and that's a big selling point. But genuinely, if you have Spencer Rattler when he's on, you're a very difficult team to beat if you're South Carolina. So for that one, am I allowed to say if Spencer Rattler's good, then South Carolina <laughs> wins, or if Spencer Rattler's not good, then Florida wins? All right, look, I'm going to be the mediator here. I'm going to say tough road environment. That's a loss. So we're going to put the Gators at 5-2. and two. Uh, The next week, you get a week off. I don't know if two weeks is going to get you ready for Georgia, but um, look, new quarterback for Georgia. They They keep losing pieces. Maybe they start to come back down to earth. Hard to envision that, though. Yeah, um, that's. I'm gonna still say loss for that one. I don't. I don't care about that. It's just I, I understand that as much as we hate Georgia, and I'm team rivalry game. Throw everything out the window. Billy Napier's done a great job on the recruiting trail, but you still got a lot of catch up to play to catch up to Georgia. So that's a loss and. Uh, yeah, that, that's all you can really say about that. They've got a heck of a roster. So five and three, you come home for Arkansas. And this is very intriguing because this is my my big question here is, what effect has Dan Enos had on K.J. Jefferson? Does that offense get back to scoring a ton of points? Does the defense improve? Remember, they were one of the worst defenses, especially uh, secondaries, in the country last year. But I think that's a winnable game. If Florida's doing what they need to do and Graham Mertz is playing well at quarterback, the run game's dominating, that's when I think the Gators should win at home. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's when they should win at home. I think that Arkansas just had – their defense is one of those things where you can improve it, but you can't fix all the holes in one offseason. And I think that's a big part for Arkansas. And also, I'm a big Drew Sanders fan, and you lost him. So and you lost who I think is one of your best defensive players. Um I, I think Florida should win that one. Again, a lot of it's just being home. Florida's very good at the swamp. That's what they should be. So I, I think Florida walks away with a win there. By the way, in we're in mock draft season. I just saw a mock draft today that had Drew Sanders going 31st overall, sneaking into the first round in a mock draft. So we'll see what happens there. All right, so we got them at 6-3. and three. Then they got to go to LSU late in the season. It's We're not used to uh, late, late visits with LSU, but – November going to Baton Rouge, LSU could be riding high or they could be kicking themselves with a couple losses and saying what happened. So that's an interesting one to me in in November. Yeah, I think LSU probably wins that one. Um, I think it'll be closer and not as high scoring. And I think that's why it'll be closer just because it won't be as high scoring. But I think that, you know, LSU's just, Brian Kelly's done a great job. I hate him, but Brian Kelly's (laughs) done a great job at LSU. And yeah, maybe they start slow like they did last year, but they got hot pretty much right around that Florida game. That's when they really started cooking, and I, I would assume that around this time they're still going to be riding hot. Jaden Daniels, as much as I'm not sold on him ever being a competent NFL quarterback, he can get the job done in college, and that's really all you need. So uh, I, I think that going to Baton Rouge is also a very difficult one, and the crowd, I hate LSU's crowd more than I hate, I think, any other crowd. They are obnoxious and i love it because i love being obnoxious but i hate when my team has to go play them well enjoy it because the yearly lsu florida rivalry probably going away very soon with uh, texas and oklahoma coming to the conference all right uh so we got them at six and four november 18th this to me this is a fireable offense for billy napier if they go if they're six and four and they go to missouri and lose to eli drinkwitz to me 
I don't know. I may be drawing up papers to part ways with Billy Napier if you lose that one. It just, again, Eli, nothing against Eli. He's done a great job there. But that just feels like to me, if you're Florida, the Florida Gators, you just lost to Vanderbilt last year and you're one of the Napier era, you can't lose to Missouri in year two. Yeah, um, I think Florida wins that one. And I will say this. Eli Drinkwitz was rude to me the one time that I met him, so I will never project him to win a single football <laughs> game. I hate him with with uh, all my heart. So I'll say that. All right. The, so seven and four and finishing off the season with the rivalry game against Florida State. And as we know, if we've watched everything uh, this offseason, Florida State projects to be one of the favorites in the ACC. Some people are picking them over Clemson to win it all. Jordan Travis is back. We saw what they did against uh, the Gators at the end of last season. Uh, but it is at home. You get them in the swamp. Any chance of a win here? Can I ask you a question before I answer mine? Yeah. Do you think Mike Norvell is a man of his word? <laughs> probably not. Okay, then Florida's uh, then Florida's probably losing that one because I, I met Mike Norvell and I said, hey, I need you to take it easy one week of the year. And he said, all right, I will. Um, and so I'm assuming he's not going to do that if he's not a man of his word. Uh, he's done a great job of building a great roster. I think Florida State's just got some players that are very hard to contain, whether you're talking about Johnny Wilson or you're talking about Jared Verse. Uh, and we know Jordan Travis apparently loves to ball against the Florida Gators. And uh, yeah, I think that it's one of those times where even if it's in the swamp or if it's in Tallahassee, you're going to have both fan bases represented pretty solidly. And I, I think that Florida probably drops that one. I am very high on Florida State this year. So yeah, it, it's rough, but improvement. Yay. Well, that's so that's what I was going to say. We capped the, this thing off by saying the Gators go seven and five. That's an improvement from six and seven a year ago. I, I think a lot of it always has to do with what does it look like, right? Like if the offense is looking great, the run game's dominating, the defense is showing signs of life. You know, seven and five, great, but what does it look like? Is it a good seven and five where we lost a couple of nail biters, missed a field goal here and there, or were you getting blown out in five of those losses? That's always the measuring stick for me, but I would think most Florida fans would take that. Yeah, I, I would take uh, I would take an improvement. That's the goal every year to improve. And so for Florida, where I think you've got a tougher top of the schedule, but a weaker bottom of the schedule this year, I think that kind of balances it out. Where you know you got Arkansas could play you really tough. They could be a really good team this year. Probably not, but they could be. Um, you've got LSU is probably going to be hot. Florida State's probably going to be hot. Georgia's going to be Georgia again. Like like they've got some tough battles and some more winnable games where you don't have, you know, I mean, I guess you do have an Eastern Washington caliber game, but you've also got Charlotte thrown in there where you didn't have that. uh, We'll we'll say that probable gimme they had last year. We're going to get you back on in August, uh, Brandon. We'll see if your mind has changed on any of these games and you might have the Gators uh, going undefeated and winning the SEC East at that point. So we'll see what happens. But uh, he is Brandon Olson, host of Locked on Gators. Uh, What do you have coming up on the podcast next week? Um, We've got a ton of draft prep. We got the spring game wrap up and I'm going to have to watch that game like four times as well to really know what we've got. And we will hopefully have a starting quarterback announced as well as the transfer portal, baby. It's crazy. He is Brandon Olson. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys so much for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Go make your second listen. Check out uh, Brandon with Locked On Gators. Does a fantastic job there, and uh, he's got you covered for everything with the Florida Gators when it comes to recruiting, football, and uh, draft prospects and everything else. 
Locked On Gators, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you guys again for listening to us, and shout out to our everydayers who are tuning in every day and checking us out on YouTube. And uh, we will talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked On SEC. We'll recap what we saw from Florida's spring game tonight, and we'll also start to look ahead to uh, some of the other spring games happening this weekend. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked On SEC. Talk to you guys tomorrow.